This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? I'm the other host, Kevin Valentin. We've got some, uh, some entertaining content for you guys today, man. Kyle, what's, what's on the agenda for today? Well, first things first, Kevin is really excited to talk about this Miles Bridges dunk on Clint Capella today. And it was a nasty dunk. It's up for dunk of the year. It was a great dunk if you got the chance to watch it. It was also a great game as well between the Hornets and the Hawks. But So we'll definitely talk about that first. We'll also go over some of the uh, big-time performances from the NBA this weekend. There were a bevy number of big-game performances from Jason Tatum, Gary Trent Jr., and a list of other players that we'll talk about in just a little bit. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about the biggest matchup of the weekend that took place between the Lakers and the Nets. The Lakers ended up going to Brooklyn and getting the win. I believe they scored... 126 points in the win and a 25 point win against Brooklyn. And then if we come across any other topics that we somewhat segue into, we'll definitely talk about those. But Kev, I mentioned it at the top, Miles Bridges. What do you got for me? Son, I I need, I need everybody to stop what they're doing right now. I mean, obviously you guys are going to see us at the crack of dawn tomorrow on Monday morning, but if you're on the way to work, the second you hit a red light, if you come into the office, take the time, and just 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 look up this dunk, man. This 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 kid out of Michigan State is electrifying the city of Charlotte. Granted, the Hornets aren't playing stellar as of late. They are in the playoff race in the East, but they're missing, you know, LaMelo Ball. And this man, Miles Bridges, is just he's just putting people on fucking posters, man. He's legitimately just I, I, I can't even describe, he's jumping out the gym, whether it's a putback, an open lane dunk, an alley-oop, you know what I mean? Like it, no matter where the ball is, if it's up in the in, in the stratosphere of the rim, I feel like he's going to find a way to put it down, and he's going to put it down with authority. This man literally caught the ball at the top of the three-point line, drove it down, and just rose up and put it on Clint Capella's forehead. Like, I mean, with, with, with such anger and authority, again, due to copyright reasons, we can't show you the video, but that's why I'm encouraging. Like, I need you guys to literally look this up. He's been doing it all season. He has had some absolutely insane dunks. And, and, and tonight was just like another big, like, holy shit, this kid is athletic. Like he legitimately reminds me of, I don't know, like a like a like a Gerald Green. There's like a, a super absolute freak of nature 
athletically, but he's just so much bigger and stronger, so he can finish. I mean, bro, he's just fucking putting it on people's fucking heads, man. And it's just, it's so. I'm not a Hornets fan, but first of all, the Hornets announcers, the Hornets, the Hornets commentators are the best in the league. I actually read one of my friends' tweets. Uh, shout out to Jordan. If he, if, if these announcers aren't announcing the NBA Finals, I don't want to watch it. Like the, they're they're that entertaining they're so much fun to listen to and like you can just feel the emotion shit Kyle just told me to look up uh, Russell Westbrook dunking on Bismack Biombo a couple of weeks ago and they even got hyped about that like their energy and their just enthusiasm like throughout this whole game is just like anything positive the Hornets do they're going nuts so imagine when Miles Bridges is out here dunking on seven footers they're they're act they're losing it and I'm, I literally watched a compilation of his dunks throughout this season and it stops in January. And in a minute and nine seconds, another video you should probably look up on YouTube, Miles Bridges has been legitimately just torching the league. Like, I don't understand why some people jump. Like, Josh Hart, body bag. Bismack Bayambo, body Like, Bismack, I'm not Bismack, that's his teammate. Clint Capella, body bag. And, and the list genuinely goes on. Like, he dunked on, like, four players on the Raptors in, like, one game. Like, you would have thought they would have learned to stop fucking jumping. But anyway, he's one of the most electrifying players to watch. He's like 23, 24 years old. And him and LaMelo Ball together when LaMelo's on that court, I mean, they are just like an exciting tandem. And I think that that, that, that Miles Bridges is out here trying to top Anthony Edwards' dunk of the year because holy shit, man, this kid is a freak. And he's just so electrifying to watch. Bro, I, I saw this clip and I just had to send it to Kyle and I just sat there in bed like, what, what did I just watch? Is, is he okay? Is like... Is Clint Capella alive? Like, I, bro, I'm subbing out. I'm calling. I said, yo, I got a cramp. I got to go home. Get Paul Pierce, I got I got to shit myself. Like, I got to get the fuck out of here, bro. I got to feed my cat. Like, I don't know. I'm thinking of any excuse. I ain't coming back on that court for a little while. All I'm going to say is just get the toe tag for Clint Capella, bro, because he's in a body bag right now. It's just he's been doing it most of his career, if not his entire career. Like, the way that I see it is he – whenever he gets a poster like that – it honestly reminds me of like Killmonger in Black Panther. Like whenever he gets another body, it's just another mark that he puts on his skin, and that's his body count. Like that's what Miles Bridges is doing to the entire league. He's been doing it consistently since he came into the league as a rookie. What I want to see eventually is I want to see a dunk contest where it features Derrick Jones Jr. and Miles Bridges. We need to see that just because that those two guys in particular are just freak of athletes. They're, granted, they're not like, they're not superstar NBA players, but just the excitement and just the ferocity that they dunk the basketball with is just unbelievable. When I was watching the clip, I didn't think that it was Clint Capella at first. I had to look it up. And then that's what I found out, that it was Clint Capella that he dunked on. And Clint Capella is no scrub. He's one of the be better defensive players in the league. So, for Bridges to do him dirty like that, dude, that's it's a bad man. You don't know, you do not want to go up against that dude. He is Some something special. Some would say special. he rose to the occasion because, god damn. I, I mean, dude, it's just like protect your heads out here, fellas. Like it's hey, that crazy. Just out don't here. jump. Don't jump. If Miles Bridges is coming from, just don't jump. I'm just letting. There, I'm putting. There, he's put everybody on notice. Stop jumping. And Stop. he came. And he came down the lane with authority. He was looking to end somebody's life with that dunk. And it just happened to be Clint Capella, bro. Just 
It's an amazing talk. It's like you said, it's up for dunk of the year along with Anthony Edwards against, I believe they were playing the Toronto Raptors when he got that dunk. And yeah, this, on that the, no-name guy. Yeah. Th- this one's right up there with it. So, dude, it's a 10 out of 10 dunk. No doubt whatsoever. It's, it's ele- like I said, it's electrifying. There really isn't another word other than that. But, I mean, like, dude, th- th- that's the best part about this weekend. Um, there were just so many electrifying, not only plays, moments, games, and, like, to segue into the, the, the Lakers and the Nets game, like, the hype behind this game was ridiculous, as always, because it's the projected projected NBA Finals matchup. But, obviously, superstars are missing on both ends. Obviously, AD and LeBron were out. Um, James Harden is still out with the hamstring injury. And, unfortunately, Kyrie Irving and Dennis Schroeder did get ejected early on in the third quarter. So, it was pretty much KD versus, like, I don't know, Andre Drummond and – it's weird to say Andre Drummond almost won that matchup by thinking the difference was like two points. I think KD had like 22 and like Andre had like 20. So it's, it's crazy. And I mean, like you're the Laker fan here. So I mean, like, I got to ask you, what are, what are your takes from this game on your end? It was a good game from the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers won by 25 points. So I mean, that's something that you could probably hang your hat on with that. But do I think that this is a game that, is going to mean much in the regular season. Not really simply just because like you said, LeBron's not in the game. Anthony Davis isn't in the game. James Harden's not in the game. Kyrie got ejected in the third quarter along with Dennis Schroeder and pretty much it's Kevin Durant going up against of against pretty much most of the Lakers bench outside of maybe KCP and maybe Taylor Horton Tucker. It's just, it was a great game from the Lakers. I was actually surprised at how well Drummond played. I mean, in that one, there was one sequence where Drummond was going up against Aldridge and Aldridge just got absolutely bullied by Drummond. And don't get me wrong, Aldridge is a pretty solid guy. He's a big guy, but against Drummond, Drummond probably has like 30, 40 pounds on him. And it's just, it's a walk in the park for Drummond. It's like, He's too small. It's such a mismatch defensively for Aldridge to try to defend Drummond. And I will say this, though. This is the issue that I think Brooklyn's going to run into, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Who is going to defend down low if they're going up against a team that has a big man? And that's one of the things I'm really concerned with for the um, for the Nets here. I don't have an issue with them scoring. They're going to put up 110, 115 points a game, if not more than that. It's just at some point, though, you're going to have somebody, you're going to have to have somebody down low defending the paint. Because if they go up against any team with a decent sized big man that can get a one on one mismatch down low, they're going to exploit that as much as possible. And the Nets don't really have anybody to counter that. DeAndre Jordan hasn't really been playing that many minutes. I mean, there were even reports that he was looking for a buyout and the Nets weren't ruling the budge on a possible buyout of DeAndre Jordan. So maybe they could utilize him down the road a little bit, but like, I mean, their tallest guy is either DeAndre Jordan or Kevin Durant. You don't have that much rim protection down low for the, for the nets. And that's really kind of my biggest takeaway from this game is the nets can shoot the lights out, but who's going to defend down low with the Lakers. It's kind of just wait and see until LeBron and AD get back. But there's a little bit of concern here 
with Brooklyn and their inability to defend down low. That's kind of my takeaway from this game. I mean, I didn't watch the game. Um, I was preoccupied with some other things. And obviously I was getting updates on my phone and I was just looking at the score. And I saw going into halftime, I'm pretty sure you told me it was like, I think, what, 60 to 58 or something like that. Like LA was up by just a a little bit. It was only a three-point game going into halftime. So, like, legit, I was just like, oh, wow, this is a really good game. Like, people are going at it. And and then the next thing I see, I get I see an update from Twitter, and I see that Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder get ejected. Now, granted, the exchange looked to be relatively trivial, but from a closer angle, it looked like Dennis Schroeder had said something along the lines of the N-word to Kyrie. Kyrie responded in a negative manner that he just did not appreciate that connotation towards him. Um, it ended up them going back and forth with more words and verbal exchanges. Kyrie got a little heated and got in Schroeder's face. It led to an ejection. But both players were playing relatively well before that. And Kyrie had 18 and Schroeder had 19. So, I mean, in terms of pro- productivity over on the Brooklyn aspect of it, I mean, Kyrie was putting up a lot of points on that end. And I feel like maybe the offense kind of went cold without that second option. KD was kind of forced to have to shoulder the load. Not that he's unfamiliar to that, but he only scored 22. I believe he didn't really play that much of the fourth quarter because it looks like he only had 24 minutes played. So it just seemed like, you know, once they got out of hand, Brooklyn decided to rest their starters. Um, But similar to what Kyle said, man, they really don't have any big depth. Um, DeAndre Jordan has been a little difficult on that aspect of saying, you know, I'm not really playing much. I want to get out of here. But I mean, if I'm Brooklyn, I'm doing the same thing. Like there's no way I'm letting my only big that is actually known for defense to walk out especially for, you know, money that we don't have right now because Brooklyn is probably well over the cap. And I, I'm just sitting here looking at this box score, and I'm just, what I'm taking away from it is the, the plus minus on both sides are literally oil and water because all I see is a bunch of negatives on that aspect from Brooklyn, and I'm seeing a bunch of plus minus positives from L.A. I mean, everybody on the Lakers pretty much scored double digits except for three players, and three players – well, one of them is a shock, and Alex Caruso only scoring five points. But, you know, you know, Giannis's little brother, he only had three. And then something cock, he had like zero. But it's like the Lakers' consistent rotation actually had and put up decent points throughout the integrity of this entire game. And I'm just sitting here looking at it like I take it with a grain of salt. Brooklyn blew out the L.A. a couple of months back, and everybody kind of said, oh, my God, this is going to be – this is – is this what it's going to be like going forward? Because I'm pretty sure KD and Kyrie didn't play that game either. And James Harden kind of went off and did his thing. But now, obviously, Harden wasn't playing. Kyrie gets ejected. And now Braun and AD are out. And the Lakers kind of completely role reversal this entire situation. And the only thing I want to touch on lastly is when AD gets back, if Brooklyn doesn't fix this, this has the potential to be a gentleman's sweep. No disrespect to KD and Harden. Bro, DeAndre, I mean DeAndre, Andre Drummond is a force to be reckoned with down low. I'm not saying he's going to average 20 points. They really high key might get out rebounded this whole series because of the towers that the Lakers now have in the front court with DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis when he gets back. Not to mention LeBron James is a phenomenal rebounding uh, small forward. So it's we're, we're looking at Brooklyn might be able to shoot the lights out, but if they don't make it, you know, they're not, it's, it's like, make it, take it. Like if they're not making any shots, LA is going to abuse them down low and do what they have to do. You know, as a Laker fan, I'm assuming you just have to hope that they're not trying to shoot their way out of these situations. You have mismatches throughout the entireness of this on, on, on the defensive side for Brooklyn. 
you have to utilize that and take advantage, get them into foul trouble. Um, if this is the finals matchup of the future, I'm excited because I know KD is not going to let this roll over very well. I know Kyrie Irving is going to be upset for the next game when, whenever they do get to play again. And I know that James Harden is going to come at this and mark this, you know, circle it if they do play one more time and say, yo, I'm not letting this go. I'm pretty sure they don't play again this season because in a, yeah, interconference nice matchups, it's, it's one and one in each respective team's home court. So the next time these two are going to play is going to be potentially the finals. So I know that Brooklyn's going to circle that, you know, and, and try to get to that goal because they didn't want it. They didn't like that getting embarrassed at home. But uh, overall, I thought it was a great game up until, you know, middle of the third quarter, late fourth. And I was just like, ah, I guess I, I guess it kind of just drifted away. But um, yeah, because the Lakers yeah. really put it on them in the second half. And it really kind of started with the whole Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder exchange, which ended in them being ejected. But I will say this, though. The Lakers, if they get this type of production from their entire team, nobody's stopping them. Because once LeBron and AD come back, and even Kuzma wasn't even playing in that game. Oh, shit, I forgot he didn't play either. Damn. You get all those players back, and you get 75% of what the Lakers were able to do against the Nets this past weekend. Nobody wants to play the Lakers at that point. But, look – the Lakers are right now sitting in the middle of the pack as far as playoff seating in the Western Conference. And I don't really expect that to change that much until LeBron and AD come back from their injuries. And at this point, I would have to say they'd have to come back sooner rather than later, simply because at best now, I think they may get the third seed if they were to come back and start winning the last two to three weeks of games they have left before the playoffs. But the Lakers have been surprisingly holding their own. I actually thought that they were going to lose like damn near 75% of their games without LeBron and AD. But the entire team has really stepped up here. So you have to give a lot of credit to Frank Vogel. And I think that's one guy that's probably lost in the mix here is when you lose your top two players, which are essentially the entire, I won't say the entire team, but they're carrying the majority of the weight for the team. And yet you're still getting about maybe a 500 record from essentially just role players. That's a good team. Granted, it's not a playoff contending team without LeBron and AD, but it's still a decent team. That's going to be competitive no matter who they're going up against. And they just beat the best team in the Eastern conference. So that is saying something and you beat them by 25 points without your two best players. Now, will that translate into playoff success? Who knows? I would like to say that, but it's way too early to tell. Their main concern is getting out of the Western Conference, and that is no easy feat right now just because of how competitive the Western Conference is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I did see a report, I don't know if it was late last night or this morning, where it said that uh, Anthony Davis is about seven to ten days out from his return, and LeBron James is about another week outside of that. So, um, I mean, we'll see, depending on how bad the Lakers are in the next couple of weeks. I feel like that'll maybe speed up their process. It's it's just wait and see. I think you and I said a a couple weeks ago, we probably wouldn't see them until the end of April. Yeah. It seems to be the timetable is going to be probably the last week in April that they come back. It's just, I will say this. And I remember you and I talked about this even before the podcast. Um, I know these guys have their injuries and eighties situations a little bit more different because it is an Achilles. So you do have to kind of treat that a little bit more carefully 
just because look at what KD did with Golden State and the scenario that happened there. Um, I will say this. I think that they're milking these injuries, though. I think that has to be at least somewhat said. I'm not disputing the fact that they have the injuries. That's ridiculous. But three months for an Achilles, it's going to be a month and a half for LeBron's ankle. It seems a little bit longer than I would like to think, but you know, what do I gotta be safe, man? They, Hey, they're your superstars. But like I said, like you said, we talked about it before the podcast. I agree that they're probably milking it, but you gotta be safe. We're talking about I, what bronze making like 36 eighties, making like 39, 40 this season. That's literally half your fucking rosters <laughs> right there. Your, uh, your rosters cap. You've got to make sure they're playing. And, I mean, I get the argument against that simply because LeBron is 36 years old. He's not 26. So you do have to treat the situation a little bit more delicately because of his age. AD, I understand that because you're dealing with an Achilles injury. And those, if you don't treat properly, it could end up to what happened to Kevin Durant a couple years ago when they were going to the finals. So I get it. But I don't know if it takes three months to recover from that. Maybe that's just just my, you know, layman's perspective on it. But I thought LeBron would have honestly been back by now. But when the reports came out, it said he wasn't even going to be back until, like, the end of April. I was like, oh, well, I mean, that sucks. But it's like, LeBron. I need you, big guy. Yeah, it's like, you know, we were doing pretty well going into – kind of the second half of the season when LeBron was carrying the team without AD there. I just, I thought that they were going to lose more games in the process after LeBron went out, but they've been holding their own to my surprise. Yeah, no, they're playing a lot better than we both thought. And uh, games like this can definitely be a confidence booster for them to carry that on for a couple more games, you know, maybe a couple more weeks until they get their big stars back. So it's literally, like you said, you kind of just got to let it play by ear game by game and we'll kind of see how it goes we all know the process right now for LA is complicated and the road to get into the postseason or hold on should I say until the postseason is going to be a tough one but uh, this matchup was one of many uh, star performances throughout the entire integrity of this weekend Kyle and I are going to take a deep a quick little deep dive into two of our performances that we favored the most Um, I know I have my two but I'm going to ask Kyle Kyle, what are your what are your two top performances from this weekend? Because we sure had a shit ton. Yeah, so my two are Jason Tatum and Enos Kenner. I'll start with Tatum just because I thought his was a little bit more impressive. Uh, Jason Tatum was absolutely sensational against the Minnesota Timberwolves this past weekend. He dropped a career high fifty three points in an overtime win against the T Wolves. I mean, it was a huge night for Tatum. Knocked down six three pointers, hit fifteen out of sixteen free throws, and not only that, he added 10 rebounds and four assists to go with his performance. It's just a great game from Tatum, one of the best in his career. And I will say this just to kind of mention the point about Boston. They're going to need Tatum to really come up big here down the stretch for the, like the last month, month and a half of the season, just because the Celtics have been treading water at best to hold their playoff position. Right now they're on, I think, the seventh seed. So – they're going to need Jason to be more consistent. I'm not saying go out there and score 50 points a game every time he goes out there, but they're going to need him to play some big time minutes in the last month of the season, just to improve their playoff seating 
because they have been inconsistent this year. And performances like this, though, will go a long way to putting Boston back on the right track. And then, like I mentioned, Enos Cantor. Enos Cantor had a sensational game against the Detroit Pistons this past weekend. Trailblazers did get the win in that game. But the big standout here is his 30 rebounds in this game. It's the first 30 rebound game since Dwight Howard back in 2018, 2018 when he was with the Charlotte Hornets. Not only that, he dropped 24 points to go along with those 30 rebounds. It's a fantastic game from Cantor. I know a lot of times we always focus on CJ McCollum or Damian Lillard just because they're the two standouts from the team. Carmelo Anthony, yeah. But Enos Cantor stepping up huge here, getting them just the all-around game that you could ask for. I mean, putting up 30 rebounds is a rare feat nowadays. I know probably back in the 60s and 70s, it was probably a lot easier to do. But when you see 30 rebounds in a game, that's a great game from whoever gets it. And I know Enos Kander isn't regarded as a superstar or a star in any sense of the word, but he's a solid player. And it's good to see him back on Portland just because I, I know he enjoyed his time there in his first stint back a couple of years ago because he was on that team when Damian Lord hit that step back three over Paul George. And he seemed to really thrive in that system. And he's doing it once again for them. So those are my two yeah. performances of the weekend. Gotcha. All right. So then I'm, I'm diving into my two performances from the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, my dog, this fucking Hooper has been balling the hell out for Chicago all season long, carrying the load, shouldering the load, whatever, you know, whatever saying you want to use. Zach Levine scored 50 points in a loss against the Atlanta Hawks on, on Friday. I mean, Zach Levine has been literally doing it all. He was seven of 12 from the three point line. He had eight boards, five assists, uh, shot over 50% from the field. Over 50% from the three-point line. I mean, there really was not much more you could ask of him. And yet they still lost this game by a significant amount. I mean, I want to say, what the hell was this score? um, I literally just had it and I clicked the wrong button. The Hawks won this game 120 to 108. And I, I, I mean, I'm looking at this stat sheet right here and I'm just sitting here saying, how is it that Zach Levine is the only one doing something on this team. I mean, Nikola Vucevic had 25 and 10, so somebody else did step up. Kobe White only had 11. Marketin only had five. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Thaddeus Young only had four, and the list goes on and on and on. The Chicago Bulls literally are trying to hang on by a thread in the Eastern Conference to try to make this eighth seed or make this push to get into the postseason. And for whatever reason, Zach Levine is giving his whole soul to this damn team because he, he's just been hooping. He's averaging over 27 points a game this season, was an all-star for the first time. And, I mean, you just look at a player like that and you just feel for him because it's like, bro, I dropped 50 and we still lost by almost 20 points. Like, what more help does Chicago need? They went and traded for Vucevic to go out there and get some help. Obviously, they have Kobe White and so on and so forth and the players I just named. But it's like when you have nights like this and only two players basically scored in double figures, it doesn't really bode well for a franchise going forward. I mean, granted, Atlanta's not a scrub team, but they're also not a a phenomenal team defensively. So, I mean, when your superstar is going off, he's going to need some fucking help. 
And I just, I, like I said, I just really feel bad. He's, he's just on, on a losing team right now. And I, I think he needs to get the hell out of there, in my opinion, and go sign with somebody competitive because it just hurts because he's only been with Minnesota, who wasn't exactly, you know, competitive back then, nor are they now. And then obviously you, you have Zach sitting here in Chicago, who's been relatively mediocre for some time now, so up until, or should I say, since Derek Rose left a few years back. And Jimmy so Butler. I mean, Jimmy you know, yeah, Jimmy Butler at the tail end of that when when Derek left. So yeah, uh, Jimmy and D Wade were a pretty good little tandem right there for a little bit. Um, and then my next performance is going to be I've, I've mentioned it all year. Uh, Steph Curry. Steph went off this weekend and he scored uh, 32 points against the Wizards on Friday, and then on Saturday he scored 38 against the Rockets. And I, I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, like this this guy is doing everything he can to keep this organization afloat. And for whatever reason, the, the Warriors just continue to get unluckier and unluckier because they just lost their rookie James Wiseman for the year. He just tore his meniscus. Obviously we were in, you know, the, uh, the injury to Clay Thompson and it's, it's just not, it doesn't look like it's getting any better, man. It really doesn't. Obviously we, 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 we know Steph can, can shoulder the load as much as he possibly can. And he's just doing everything in his power to do it. Uh, luckily the Warriors came out with the win this time on top of the Rockets with a 125 to 109 victory. And they barely lost to the Wizards at, uh, you know, 110 to 107. We know that that was the game that Russell Westbrook had three back to back to back possessions where his teammates missed wide open layups and it kind of would look like it was trending in the direction that Golden State would find a way to claw back and win this game. But again, you know, Stephen Curry has just been doing this all season long. Obviously, we know he hurt his tailbone a couple of weeks back, but he came back and he's just been doing everything he can. But Golden State finds a way and continues to lose. If I'm not mistaken, I see here Golden State continues to fall further and further down the pole of the Western Conference. They are 25 and 28, sitting at 10th. And it does not look like it's getting any better because. Like I said, Wiseman's hurt now, so you got a lot of inexperienced players coming into this game, and uh, are coming into this roster, and it just it it doesn't seem to bode well for them in the future. And I'm just, I know that Steph is legitimately carrying the load all year, but how much more can he do it, and how much longer can he do it until we all know Steph's not the most durable individual either. Lately, he's about 32, 33 years old. So, is it a matter of time before, God forbid, you know, knock on wood for my boy Mike? Another injury comes along. Maybe the tailbone has been nagging him a little bit longer, but the Warriors can't continue this type of play, especially if they want to continue to find a way to win, um, unless they're going to go and do what they did last year and just continue to lose and just say, fuck it, let's go get another pick. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see Steph doing what he's doing after missing the entire year of last season, but it is unfortunate. Once again, both of my star-studded moments for the week or the weekend both came in some losses, so it does kind of suck. I do want to shed some light really quick uh, before I wrap it up. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. had a phenomenal game this weekend. He had 44 points. He actually shot probably one of the greatest nights I've ever seen or greatest games I've ever seen. Um, he was 17 of 19 from the field, 7 of 9 from the 3. And he obviously those two threes are the only two shots he missed all night. He scored, in like I said, 44 and 33 minutes. He had seven boards and four assists. Uh, and he did it against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Obviously, we know that he was traded midseason from Portland to Toronto, and he absolutely torched them. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, quick shout out to him because we all know the 
shooting performance he had in the bubble for Portland last year. He was up and coming. He started to get a little bit more burn this season with Portland, traded to Tor- Toronto. And, I mean, if I'm looking at the stat sheet here, he's been playing very, very, very well. He had 15 uh, two weeks ago. He had, what, 31, 24, 60. So, you know, he's been very consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think that he's, you know, kind of showing out that he's going to be one of the better players in this league for a little bit, you know, the more playing time he gets. Oh, for sure. I think just to kind of hit on one of the points that you were making about Steph, I think Steph at this point is going to have to go out and damn near score 40 points a game. I think he's literally going to have to like channel like some inner Kobe moments from like that 2004 to like 2006 stretch where he was consistently dropping at least 35 or 40 plus points a game simply because it just the amount of holes or just absences on Golden State right now are just growing. It's like you said, with Wiseman with his meniscus tear out for the season, Clay's out until next season, and you've got some role players on this team like Kelly Oubre Jr., Andrew Wiggins. They've been inconsistent throughout the entire year. Granted, they've had their moments. They just haven't stepped up to the way that Golden State really needs them to. And that leaves Steph in a very precarious situation where he's the leader of this team, but you can only ask so much from him. He, I mean, he's just scoring at an amazing clip. Weren't you mentioning that he had like a five to six game stretch before the podcast where he was scoring like 31, 34, 42. Like but he was to backtrack it from the 10th. He had 38, the ninth, he had 32 on the sixth. He had 41 against the Hawks on the fourth. He had 37. He had a rest day against the Raptors on the second. But the game before that, against the Heat, April 1st, he scored 36. And the game before that, against the Bulls, he had 32. Steph Curry has been absolutely cooking this season. You know, to, to quote Chef Curry back, you know, Chef stir, whatever, stirring the pot. Holy shit, he's averaging literally 30 points per game. And this stretch has been an incredible one for his career. I'm glad that he didn't play in that Raptors game because that Raptors game was an absolute travesty. I think Golden State lost that game by like by 50, 50. It was yeah, I think bad. like 54 points or something like it that. It was yeah. bad, but that's Golden State this year. I thought that they had an outside shot to make the playoffs this year. If they were able to get in, it'd probably be at that eighth, maybe the seventh seed. But I think that injury to Wiseman, I I just don't know how they're going to be able to come back. That from takes that. the air out of that team. Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a tough one, and it sucks because I I do like Golden State. Um, obviously they've had a tremendous amount of success the last five to six years with the run that they've had. But this is that that new chapter of Golden State basketball. And listen, it's going to be growing pains. It, this, is not, this is not your typical Golden State Warriors that was winning championships or being in the finals every single year for the past five to six years. So I think, I think Steph is really kind of figuring out for the first time really in his career what it feels like to be the leader of a team that just – doesn't have championship caliber player, but a championship caliber players that can carry that team into the playoffs and into the finals with relative ease. It's a lot of hard work and a lot of time to really build these guys up and just establish some good camaraderie with the, his teammates, but it's, it's going to come at an expense of possibly not even making the playoffs this year. No. Yeah. I mean, um, again, we were talking about it prior to the episode, 
Uh, I sent Kyle a clip of something on, on, on Instagram. I forget exactly where it came from or what source it was, but someone made a good point and said, Steph Curry at this very moment in his career has hit a point in which Kobe Bryant hit a lot earlier yeah. that he is literally playing with little to no help and he's scoring at an insane clip to the point where he's literally shouldering every ounce of the load to keep a team relevant. I know everybody that's an actual fan of basketball remembers that point of a three or four year period where Kobe Bryant was playing with Kwame Brown, Smush Parker. God even knows who the hell else with the rest of that roster. Stanislav Medvedenko was one of them. The fact that you can even pronounce that name 10, 15 years later is absolutely ridiculous. And I, I would give you a gold star, but it just goes to show Steph's playing with some scrubs right now. Steph's hitting that point in his career where he's, you know, getting into the ladder of his career. He's 33, like I had said a couple minutes ago. And, uh, you know, Kobe was significantly younger. Kobe was still in his 20s when he had, you know, hit this point. But it's it, it's funny that someone made the comparison. And it's like Steph's finally hitting that that stride where it's like, yo, dude, like you the man, but it's like, I can't do this alone because <laughs> I'm getting no help here. Yep. Nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to, to listen to Kobe. And when he was saying, help, help, help. Um, Kobe obviously almost requested a trade to the Dallas Mavericks. That almost kind of happened. Uh, Mark Cuban kind of talked about it. I think I want to say a year ago, a year or two ago, um, or actually around Kobe's death. He said, Kobe was almost a Maverick. Kobe had requested a trade. And then obviously, I, I don't know if it was Jerry West or somebody talked them out of it. Well, the one team that was in particular, the one team in particular that Kobe was looking at was, was at Chicago. It was with the Bulls. Kobe had already stated before that he and Vanessa were already looking at schools for his kids to go to school in Chicago. And it didn't seem like that far off of, of possibly happening simply because when you're looking at houses for your kids to go to school, that's how significant and how serious the rumors are going to Chicago at that point, but they never materialized. He ended up staying with the Lakers. I think really at this point, when it comes to Steph to kind of bring it back to him, granted, he doesn't have KD anymore. KD's out in Brooklyn. You got Clay, but Clay is still hurt. Draymond is Draymond is Draymond. They're going to need somebody. And I think their only way they're going to be able to do it is maybe through free agency. They got to bring in a shooter because I think James Wiseman is going to be a solid big man for them moving forward. Obviously the meniscus tear sucks, but they need a solid three-point shooter to go along with Steph and Clay. Because granted, I'll say this, Steph's maybe got three to four years of solid years left. He's He could play for probably another five to six years, but at a high level, probably maybe four at the most. If he could still be able to knock down three-point shots, he'll still be a great player in this league. But they're going to need somebody to eventually start taking some pressure off of Steph. And to kind of throw back to the whole Kobe situation, like you mentioned with Kobe going through his difficult time from like 2005 to 2006, and even like earlier parts of 2004, things didn't improve until they got pal. So in this situation, I don't necessarily think that they need a big man because I think they have that in James Wiseman but they're going to need another shooter. And yeah, I think, I no, think um, they do. Bringing Clay back is going to help things. They need another shooter. 
Now here's here's the negative. Um, I didn't even realize this. I don't know why I just remembered. Clay, Clay, Steph is a free agent after this year. He's scheduled to earn $46 million this season. He's going to be a free agent this season. You still have Andrew Wiggins on this roster, and he's due a decent amount of money. I don't remember if he's a free agent or not, but I know that he needs to get the hell out of there. Um, they have cap. When he leaves, they're going to have cap, and they have to restructure a lot of players. You know, obviously the luxury is probably going to go up. Maybe be, maybe they could be bold and, you know, go out and try to sign Bradley Beal or trade for Bradley Beal or something. That's who I was sort. thinking. That's who I was like, thinking. Like, I, why wouldn't you want to go and get another two-way player who can play the two or the three, you know, maybe move Clay to the three. Everyone said that they were in talks of doing that anyway. Um, and you can have three studded shooters. You can have two primary defenders. And obviously Draymond Green still plays defensively at least coherent at the four and then you have james wiseman the electrifying going to be second year player next season i don't see why that wouldn't work out once again you know it really depends on what golden state is willing to give up uh in terms of picks or player personnel but i think that like i agree with you with what you just said they definitely need to go out and get somebody else and to go back on that kobe thing it was in fact in 2007 dallas was looking to trade jason terry and josh howard with at least another uh, player to be named and draft picks and compensation to acquire Kobe Bryant. I mean, I would have freaking traded for Dirk, but, you know, that I'm just saying, you know, that seems pretty small for Kobe. He wanted out bad. I know, but. He didn't give a shit, bro. He wanted out bad. You know that stretch I'm talking about. I get it. Oh, I do. It was a three-year stretch where it was absolutely atrocious. He said, I'm fed up with this bullshit. I'm out. Yeah. So, but And they brought Phil back. And they, they brought Powell. Powell. And Biden and, was playing great. What a, what, a, what a great squad that was back then. Yeah. So, and, But that's what basically reset the Lakers at that point. That Powell trade was huge. Now, I will say yeah. this, just to kind of bring it into your realm, as of like a possibility of what Golden State could do for next season. What if they went after Kristaps? I think it would help. However, but as, he, as I always say, it, it's health, man. It's health. Here, here's the thing. And if it were up to me, granted, this is just me. This is just opinion. As we I, always have to clarify. I, I think they would be better moving forward without Draymond. You replace Draymond with Kristaps. That doesn't help us whatsoever. That I We know. lose that trade. I know. I'm talking about about for Golden State's perspective. So the the reason why is, is that he would be a great stretch for. He could shoot better than Draymond ever could. And he could, I'll tell you what, that front court with James Wiseman and Chris Osporzingas would be fire. It wouldn't. It wouldn't because Kristaps is a defensive liability. He is a terrible pick and roll defender, and he is a mismatch on the on the actual switch and pick and roll. Um, Draymond Green can guard one through five. So defensively, I think that would be a big mistake. Offensively, I understand exactly what it is that you're saying, but um, you know, in in the case of this particular swap, bias aside. Kristaps is a liability on the defensive side of the basketball, unless someone's actually driving into the paint and he gets a hand on the wall, of course, because he's seven three or seven two. 
But uh, yeah, I don't. I just. I don't think that yeah. move would have been wise. I know that there were rumors a few months ago that Golden State made a call to Dallas for him. Um, depending on what we would have gotten in return, I wouldn't have been upset. But uh, as of late, Kristaps has been playing a lot better. So um, Golden yeah. State definitely needs some help in in more ways than one. And I know that Draymond's green lack thereof in terms of offensive talent lately has hindered them. But uh, Draymond's too much of an anchor on the defensive side of the basketball for them to let him go. Do you see the amount of space that they're giving Draymond? Yeah. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's so disrespectful. And it's just like they're giving him five feet of space knowing that he's not going to yep. shoot it. And if he does shoot it, it's going to be a brick. So, I mean, look, I think if Golden State's front office is smart, they try to facilitate some sort of trade to get Draymond out of there this year or after this season. Because who's gonna wanna who's gonna want to take that? Contract? I know and, and that's the thing though. That's the tricky thing. And it's just that I don't really see Draymond really improving. I think even when Clay comes back, I don't know necessarily it's gonna change things for the better. Maybe defensively, they're gonna be significantly better. Significantly. Bro, pick and roll significantly because Clay can guard one through three. Yeah. Draymond won't have to switch as much. You know what I'm saying? Clay can worry about the front. Draymond's got the back. If they have to swap, Clay can do something. And offensively, they have another weapon. So they don't have to worry about Draymond. If Draymond's wide open, he's got to hit his shots. He's got to figure out a way to get more people involved. That's fine. But when the three of them are on the court together, people forget that they won a championship without KD. For whatever reason, they just play that much better. If Steph doesn't have to shoulder the load alone, if he has another running mate with him, Draymond gets more confidence. Maybe Draymond gets more looks. Maybe Draymond gets more dump, uh, you know, dip and dives, you know, pick and roll, mismatch switches. Who knows? It's just, you know, that they're just so much better together. That's why I don't think Golden State's going to let him go. See, the thing with Golden State that I'm a little bit concerned with, and this is specifically about Klay Thompson, is I'm not worried about Klay Thompson shooting the ball when he comes back. What I'm worried about is he going to lose a step defensively from all these injuries that he's had. I wouldn't be because, surprised. Because the one thing that I'm really worried about is his recovery speed. I mean, you're talking about an ACL and an Achilles that you're coming back from, which are basically the two worst Different injuries. leg, right? I don't remember if they're the same leg or if they're different, uh, different legs. But even with that said, though, you're going to lose a little bit in recovery speed after those two major injuries. Of course. So – is he going to be able to play lockup defense like he has the majority of his career? We'll see when he gets back. But that's something that I'm kind of hedging my bets against because I don't think he's going to be as quick as he used to be before those injuries. And he's getting older, too. You have to take that into account as well. Yeah, he's making $25 million a year. That's surprising. I thought he'd be more. I thought he'd make like 30 No, he signed a $100 million contract. and He's a free agent in 2024. He signed it last offseason. But you mentioned that Steph's a free agent after this year. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not going anywhere. That whole that whole idea of Steph being LeBron, on the yo, that was crazy. That's bro, so funny. They need to stop. They get along in one All Star game, and everyone's like, "Yo, they're best friends." Yep. Shut up. P- people got so excited, like when they got that one video where Steph is standing next to LeBron when LeBron's ready to do the chalk to uh, do the chalk toss, and Steph's looking at him like this, like, and then it's just like. Oh my God. It's like their best buddies. And like, 
Steph's going to be on the Lakers. It's an just, all-star game, man. Is it, people got people need to relax. People need to relax. It's not that serious. They had their fun in that moment, but that's pretty much the most of it. That's Yeah, there, there's no way he ever leaves Golden State. Like, he rightfully so. They've given him the world, the keys to the kingdom. He brought them three championships. Like, he's got no reason to leave. I said get rid of Draymond before. You don't let Steph Curry walk. But, but, so Steph, Draymond though, Green's the only Steph. person on that. Yeah, no, no, you let not Draymond Steph. walk before anybody. Yeah, it's just. I yeah, know. I mean, we'll see what happens. Like we've talked about it since the beginning of the season. Golden State was already at a disadvantage without Clay being on this roster. Yeah. For the start of the season, and you know the injuries piled up between Steph, Draymond missed some games, and now Wiseman missed some games, and now Wiseman out for the season. So. They're going to struggle, and they're going to struggle really hard. And it's going to be a lot of the same shit. It's going to be Steph dropping 30 or 40, and it may be a loss. It may be a win. It depends on what the supporting cast does. We know that Andrew Wiggins has potential because he scored 40 like two weeks ago. So it's like whenever the hell he wants to wake up. We've seen Kelly Oubre drop like 30 points in a, like a couple of months ago. So it's like they have the capability of being competent offensive players. It's just like you said. It's just heavily inconsistent. So – that's why, you know, I think the loss of Wiseman is the final punch. And I think that they don't make the playoffs because of this. So I don't know. Do you rest Steph? Do you let Steph continue to play at the, 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 the you know, the, the amount of minutes he is playing? Um, is that considered a negative connotation to the team if they decide to tank? I don't know. Why burn out Steph if you know you're not going to go anywhere? You know, save him for next season. Let him and Clay have fresh legs. I'm not saying shut him down, but, you know, if, Games are continuously 15 to 20 points of a difference by halftime. Staff maybe play five, seven minutes of the next quarter. And if it's a continued, if, if the lead doesn't decrease, pull them. You know, I'm, there's no reason to risk another injury at 33. And then you're, you, you're going to have to pay him again. He's owed $46 million this year. There's no reason to risk it. Well, they do have a chance to get into the playoffs through that play-in tournament thing that they're doing this year. So I think here's the thing with Golden State. I think let's see how this goes for the next maybe two to three weeks. I think by the end of April, we'll have a much better feel of where Golden State's going to go as far as their potential playoff push, if they're going to go there or not. Because if they keep losing games consistently for the next two to three weeks, I think they're going to have to really start considering, you know what? It's just not in the cards this year for us. Let's come back next year. Let's retool. Let's focus our core around Steph, Clay, Draymond, If even though I say that begrudgingly, and see if we can get some of these role players either to step up their game or look elsewhere to improve the roster. I think we'll probably find that out within two to three weeks from now. I think it's a little bit too premature oh to say that they won't make the playoffs. Two to three weeks from now, we'll have a much better sense of where they'll stand. With a Andrew Wiggins is going to be on this team for another two years. He's owed thirty million dollars this year, and nobody's going. They're so screwed, and nobody. So he's take- on this roster unless they trade him. And who's going to take him? Who's going to take him? Um, I know. I'm just saying in general. That's that's the situation. I thought he was a free agent at least next season. He's well, on this roster to 2023. Well, they can they could probably drop Ubre. 
because I think Uber is on like a, I think it's a two year deal, but I don't know if he it, has. A, I thought it was a one year, $20 million deal. I don't know which, I don't know which um, year he's on his deal. He might be in a second. If it's, if he's on his second. Two year, two year, $30 million deal. He's a free agent after this season. Oh yeah. Then I would just cut bait for Golden State's case there. I wouldn't worry about yeah. bringing him back just because he hasn't stepped up. So you get rid of Uber. He's off your books. Wiggins, I don't know what they're going to be able to do. If they could somehow facilitate a trade just to get them off their books, that'd be great because it frees up a bunch of cap space. I would say what they need to do is let Oubre go. That frees up 15 mil. And you restructure Wiggins' contract. Steph needs to take a discount. And maybe you restructure Clay or Draymond's contract. You'll have a max slot. I say you go and get Bradley Beal. You do what you need to do. And you immediately become a competitor in the West all over again. Immediately. I mean, if they had Bradley Beal, like you're talking about a finals contending team at that point. The th- three shooters, two great defend, three great defenders with obviously Draymond, and then you just have James Wiseman holding the helmet at behind. It's just a matter of now you're supporting cast. Are you going to have a bench? I don't know. That's so. the thing. Your your starting five would be amazing. It's just your what it's it's but, a but supporting six, cast that you need to worry about. But six through ten, yeah, they would be it'd be, be pretty be rough. Thin. It'd be pretty rough. But once again, you know, a lot of teams we just saw two weeks ago, a lot of vets are willing to sign vet minimums to go out and get some hardware before they walk out the door. I'm not saying it's gonna be Demarcus Cousins again or Lamarcus Aldridge or Blake Griffin, but there are still some veterans that may take that cut and say, yo. They got something special brewing in this freaking Bay Area all over again. Maybe I'll take a little bit less money so I can go and win. It happens every year. So we'll see what happens. I think here's the thing. Let me just ask you this. Take a big picture perspective here for a second. What do you think Golden State's trend is for the next three to five years? Just it, is it is it going in the right direction or is it going in the wrong direction? I'm just talking about as, general as of the sense. last two as of the last two seasons, I would say they they've hit their slump. They have hit they've come back down to reality. So they're at their their their, their the last season was their lowest. They obviously had an improve an improvement this year because they got their superstar back. Um, I think Clay coming back automatically, even if Clay is hindered or 75% of what he used to be. That's still 75% of a player that they didn't have this season. I say that they're still trending up because they're still, they still have their core. Um, it's a matter of can the, the backcourt of Steph and Clay stay healthy and will they bring in another set of helpful hands? You know what I'm saying? Like if they get rid of Wiggins's contract and bring somebody else in, you know, I would say they're better than they were this season. Um, if they don't, I would still say the return of Clay Thompson makes them a better team this next season than this season. So I would say in the next th- three to five, maybe, you know what I'm saying? They're, they're still a, a playoff contender, um, finals contender with obviously, you know, a lot of these NBA teams being a lot younger in the West, a lot more competitive. Yeah, uh, I don't know. So it really depends. Anything is going to be better than last season. So I would say if that's your base, then they're trending up. Because here's the thing. Um, this team, once Clay comes back, is what I'm saying. This team is going to remind me a lot of the Lakers from 2011 to 2012. I'm talking about after they beat the Celtics in that game seven series where Kobe got his fifth ring. They had 
those back-to-back playoff appearances where one of them they got swept by Dallas, and then yes, sir. And then the year after they lost to OKC. My thing is, and then the year after they ended up getting to the playoffs, but that was the year that Kobe tore his Achilles, and you know it was yeah. pretty much that OKC year was just that that but, trio was unstoppable. But but here's the thing: that's this is kind of the point that I'm making here, is that I think Golden State is reaching that stage where don't get me wrong. This team is definitely a playoff contending team. It's just, I think that the general trend of golden state is going to be slightly downward, even with all their core guys back simply because I just think that a lot of these younger teams in the Western conference, like Denver, like Portland, like the, like Phoenix now, are going to be trending upward and there's a lot more potential to build around those younger players than it is around clay Steph, and Draymond. They've already had their run. They've already had their prime. You could still say that Steph's in his prime. We'll see what happens when clay comes back. But I think at this point, I'm not saying that they're going to hit a wall and they're just going to drop off the face of the earth. I'm not saying that. No, that was last season. It's just, I think I think Golden State's done winning titles. I don't think that they're going to be able to get back. It's just because when you look at the landscape, the, West, the Western Conference, you got LeBron and AD again to deal with next year. You've got Phoenix, who could arguably be a freaking Western Conference Finals team this year. You've got Utah. We'll see what happens with Utah, even though they're the number one seed. We have to see how they play in the playoffs this year, it's just that these young gun teams are going to be trying to make a case, trying to make a name for themselves in these next couple of years. And unless golden state really gets it in the high gear right now, I just don't see them ever getting back to the finals again. Now, could they, I think if certain things work out, maybe it's just that I find it very hard to believe that they will. I just I, – I can't sleep on Bob Myers. He's one of the better GMs in this league. Um, like we said, we're not professional GMs. We're, we're not NBA executives. We don't know the exact um, re- requirements or necessities to go out and make these roster moves. We're just speculating. It would be nice for them to go and acquire Bradley Beal. Um, but if they do restructure contracts, like I said, I stand by it. I think that they can contend. And with Clay coming back and this team kind of staying at the place that they are, if they can hold this somewhat decent roster together and add just one more piece, I'm not saying finals appearances are guaranteed, but I wouldn't be surprised if they compete in the Western conference. Like clay makes that big of a difference. Uh, James Wiseman will have a whole year under his belt. And I, I, I really do think that they get that contract done for Steph at whatever, any means necessary. And I think that he is that type of player to take that cut and say, yo, I want to bring someone else in. I'm not saying that the title hopes are shot to shit, but I'm not saying that they're at like 50%. You know what I'm saying? I probably would say like an off chance that they would make a finals appearance if they were to catch fire. Clay's not going to be enough though. They need another shooter. Like I said, no, no, no. I'm saying Clay plus the acquisition of someone yeah. else. Like if they don't bring in someone else, they're, they're, they're absolutely done. There's no way they, they're not in their twenties anymore to go and make those runs like they used to no. and play high 30 minute per games. Obviously Clay's going to have a minute restriction. I would assume, Draymond and Steph are not going to play upwards of 40 minutes like they used to. So it is what it is. I, I would agree with you. Their title run seems to be closing and that window is just about shut. 
but it does, I would say next season would really make or break that, that decision for me, depending on what happens. And I'm not discounting what Steph's been doing the last month. He's been the whole season, 30 points a game, bro. He's, he's still putting up amazing numbers. It is nothing. I'm yeah. not even going to dispute that he's been amazing. But as far as like title hopes go, I don't. That window, like you said, is closing fast, and it's, it's right there. No, no, no. It's it's right there. If next season doesn't pan out, I would say it's done. You're gonna say that next season. Next season is the make or break year for me solely because if Clay is at any point different or not the same, that's not good for them. And if they don't go and make an acquisition this offseason, that's not good for them. If James Wiseman doesn't take that next step because he's going to have to be that third option, and if he regresses or doesn't perform up to par, we've seen Draymond have to talk to him multiple times mid-game for his attitude, for his lack of getting back on defense. Um, Who knows? Maybe he doesn't pan out in Golden State. So there's a lot of question marks on this roster. And like we had said, the roster itself is a question mark. Yep. So there are a lot of things Golden State needs to check off before we go and say that they're officially done. But I would say if we had to actually put a percentage to it, I would say that they're closer to the window being closed than it ever than it being opened ever again. Yeah. And with that said, you guys, that'll pretty much wrap it up from here. I'm wrapping it up simply because I think my allergies are really starting to bother me, bother me right now. So, Kev, I know you've been yeah. dealing with your allergies this year too, so – it's just the last couple of days just over here. It's been it's been tougher than I thought it would be. I thought like the rain would have helped things a little bit, but man, my allergies are still flaring up pretty well this time of the year. Yeah, no, it's ass. It's I live in a community where there are like pollen trees everywhere. Like every tree is a pollen tree. So I yeah. walk my dog and I'm like die every day. So it's it's tough out I here, man. That. It's tough out here. But yeah. um that's pretty much all we got for you guys. Just Want to take the time to thank you guys for supporting and tuning into the episode. Um, like like always, we will put out another episode later this week. I know it was a little bit different putting out a Monday episode. Typically, we put out episodes on Tuesdays, but figured a nice little switch up now and then wouldn't be the worst thing. And who knows? You know, when it comes to the playoffs in the NBA a couple months from now, maybe we'll switch it and do some Monday episodes. But yeah, this was fun. No, no, absolutely. There was so much to talk about this weekend. We had two 50-point games, a 44-point game, a 30-rebound game, and a highlight reel that's Miles Bridges. I mean, like, why the hell not? You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, everybody learn, stop jumping on my mans, or stop jumping with him because we know how it's going to end. Um, really quick, really briefly, uh, rest in peace to DMX, one of the most iconic artists that the music industry has ever seen, uh, coming from New York. Um, that is probably one of the pillars of the rap game for not only my generation, but the generation before. That's definitely our parents' era coming from, uh, you know, he was 50 years old. Um, I mean, listening to DMX growing up pretty much all through middle school, growing up, hearing him in my dad's car. I mean, the man, like I said, I, I can't say it enough. He was a pillar for, for, for the music industry. A uh, great individual um, from all the, the articles I'm seeing, all the videos, a great father and so on and so forth. Um, the world lost a great person and you know the year just continues to kind of the last 18 months kind of continues to hit us really hard man losing a lot of actors and musical artists over this period has kind of sucked and to lose DMX at this point in period in time just kind of sucked to to, to hear and see 
So, like I said, I, I didn't want to end the episode as a New Yorker and not go and shout out DMX. I mean, RIP, big dog. We we all gonna miss you out here, and uh, you did it. You did it right, man. Everything everything you did and how you handled it was was incredible. So we appreciate you. And fifty's young. Fifty's really young, dude. Yeah. So I remember I saw an interview with him. I don't know when it was. I remember they were talking about just kind of like his legacy. And I remember he mentioned, it was like, if I were to die, like right now, like at this moment when he was on that podcast being interviewed, he, he would have thought that he lived a good life. And that's what, that's what he was saying at that time. I don't know when that specific interview I'm referencing was recorded, but it was probably maybe two at most three years ago. So he would have only been 47. I mean, look, 50 years old that's i mean that's really young it's like there's a lot of life left to live even for somebody who thinks that they've lived a good life already like it's just um it's really unfortunate to see him pass away so young and um i know being you being a native new yorker probably hits close to home yeah no he's from yonkers a little bit more upstate um i'm not gonna lie other than like growing up and hearing him throughout you know, my dad's car and like the radio and shit like that. I wasn't a massive fan. I'm not going to sit here and say that I know all his songs, all the lyrics and whatnot, but knowing what he meant to, to, to the Bronx and all the other boroughs, um, him always repping where he came from and never denying it. And, uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the impact he had on the music industry, um, it's just a sad day for everybody back home. And it's just a sad day for the world because, Someone like DMX is going to be missed forever, man. And just like I said, shout out to you. You know, hope you're sleeping in peace, sleeping in power, and uh, hope you keep watch over all of us, man. Well said. Kev, do you have anything else yes, you sir. want to add to? Uh, nope. Same thing as always. Appreciate all the support and the love. We're going to continue to put out great content. Thought today was a good enough day to put out some uh, some good NBA news. It would have been a little earlier, but, you know, my dog had to go and have a massive pissing accident in the middle of my kitchen. So, um, yeah, shout out to my dog Sabo for pissing off his daddy because Lord knows that was terrible. But other than that, man, I hope you guys have a great night. Have a great start to your week and uh, we'll be seeing y'all soon. Yeah, we'll see you guys later around next week. Welcome, explorers of the human experience. This is Let's Talk Soul and I'm your host, Claudia Monticelli. We're not afraid of the great mysteries of existence here. Soul versus consciousness, we're on it. Spirituality versus science, we've got that covered too. Join us in navigating these profound topics with wisdom, curiosity, and a dash of audacity. Whether you're a spiritual veteran or just starting your journey, Let's Talk Soul is your passport to the unknown. Let's Talk Soul, diving into the depths of the human spirit. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on Electricast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. Electricast.